Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When a sprightly schoolgirl vanishes into thin air... It seems as if the brunette angel has simply flown away. Something very sinister was at play here. And it's soon clear 12-year-old Michelle met a hellish end. A child discarded in the woods like a piece of trash. Only a monster could have done this to Michelle Winter. Who is this demon stalking Springfield, Missouri? A creepy crank caller? A trucker with a twisted sex drive? or a deviant neighbor. People were wondering, who lives next door to me? How could this happen to me? Are my kids in danger? Am I in danger? In a deadly game of hide-and-seek, no one knows who's it. But the killer could be closer than they think. How well do you know your neighbors? What lies behind the white picket fences? Pretty as a postcard, Springfield, Missouri sits at the base of the rolling Ozark Mountains. But this is a town that's rooted in Midwestern traditions and renowned for a dish with a far eastern flair, cashew chicken. Springfield back, I guess, in maybe the 60s, a restaurant owner who developed the type of cashew chicken where you pour gravy over the chicken and rice, and it's great. This dish that blends east and west is typical of Springfield's easygoing mix of styles. In fact, it's one of the things Erica Thatcher and daughters 12-year-old Michelle and 5-year-old Cindy like most. Their Cherokee Street neighborhood has something for everyone. And Springfield resident Patrick Sullivan says it sure suits Erica's girls. It's a community of neighborhoods, lots of churches, good education, just just a nice place to grow up. And despite the fact that Erica's raising her daughters single-handedly, the girls are coming into their own. While pint-sized Cindy enjoys candy and cartoons, studious Michelle hits the books whenever she can. Michelle liked to write a lot. She wrote several stories, and uh, she spent a lot of time doing that. 
But it's not all work and no play for Michelle. Michelle was a typical junior high girl. She liked having friends around. She did have friends at school and some friends in the neighborhood. In fact, her best friend, Lisa, lives just around the corner. And Michelle makes the quick trip to see her after school and on weekends. But little does she know, this familiar path is about to take a terrible turn. Saturday, April 8, 1995, is a typical sunny day in Springfield. With Easter only a week away, spring fever is in full bloom. And Michelle is itching for something to do. So she and her BFF make plans to spend the day together. Her mother gave her some money to eat and things like that, and Michelle gets dressed in this new black T-shirt. And her mother wasn't real happy about that because she wanted her to save that for school on Monday. When Michelle flies out the door around 11, her mom expects her home in time for dinner. But when the family sits down to eat at 5 o'clock, Michelle's seat is empty. With still no sign of her an hour later, Michelle's mom starts to sweat. It just isn't like her daughter to be so late. Her mother was upset. She started being worried almost immediately. By 6.30, panic sets in, and Michelle's mom touches base with Lisa's mother, who insists Michelle left when she said she would. What could have happened to her brown-eyed girl along the way? Michelle's mom wonders whether she stopped at another friend's house. So she calls Michelle's short list of gal pals and searches for her by car. But her daughter is nowhere to be found. What a horrible situation. A parent doesn't know where her daughter is. White-knuckled with fear for her daughter's life, Michelle's mom turns to the boys in blue for help. Retired detective Mike Rogers is a hard-working cowboy of a cop, a man who's seen it all during his 30 years with the Missouri State Highway Patrol. Well, I guess there's two things that most police officers like about their job. One is you have the opportunity to help people. The other is that you have the opportunity uh, to put the bad guy in jail. Police are sure hoping to find Michelle safe and sound. But they know when a child goes missing, there's rarely a happy ending. Still, for now, they can't assume Michelle was abducted. It's possible she just took off on her own. Twelve years old, that's not your typical runaway age. Usually they're a little bit older than that. But even if they do run away from home, it may be for a day. Usually they get back home at night. But when detectives arrive at the Winters' home at 11 that night, Michelle's still AWOL. Her mom insists she would never just up and leave. We had no indication from Michelle's mother that there was any type of family problems between she and Michelle or any other members of their family. Michelle's mom says she last saw Michelle with her buddy Lisa at a nearby convenience store around 12.30 that afternoon. But that's not much to go on, so detectives retrace Michelle's steps back to Lisa's house. 
It was very important that Michelle's best friend and her parents be spoken with because Michelle had just left there. So if you're going to pick up a trail, you have to pick up at the last point that trail ended. Lisa insists that aside from their quick trip to get a candy bar, she and Michelle were at her house the entire day. And as soon as it was time to leave, Lisa went one way to return some videos, and Michelle turned the other and headed home. But could Michelle have bumped into a bad guy before she reached her front door? Her best friend said that she was a little paranoid of strangers, and there was no way that she would get in a vehicle with someone she didn't know. So police wonder if Michelle was picked up by someone she did know. While Lisa's mom was home for the playdate, her stepdad was conveniently out. So detectives add his name to the list of folks they want to question about the preteen in the black tee. We just didn't have any idea what had happened to her. Surely one of her neighbors must have seen something. But a door-to-door -door search comes up empty. How she could just disappear so quietly and nobody see anything and be so close to home. It's as though she just disappeared into thin air. It's been 24 hours since Michelle went missing, and detectives are now convinced some smooth operator must have spirited her away. Something very sinister was at play here. Something very bad surely had happened. Now she's gone. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. 
Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Three days after 12-year-old Michelle Winter vanishes, Easter's right around the corner. And Springfield, Missouri residents wish they were searching for Easter eggs instead of a missing child. There's nothing worse than having a child vanish or disappear and then not having any clue as to what happened. Back in 1995, State Highway spokesman Terry Moore is the go-to guy for the public when it comes to crime. The day after Michelle goes missing, he has the whole town on the hunt. We had people going out and scouring the neighborhood area. We had literally dozens of people down in Stone County looking through the, the weeds and the brushes and the rivers and the streams to try to find Michelle. While searchers beat the bushes looking for Michelle, detectives race the clock to find a suspect in her disappearance. And their first suspect is Tim Cheney, her buddy's stepdad, who just happened to be AWOL the day Michelle vanished. He knew her, and he possibly would have had the means. We didn't know if he had the opportunity or the motive yet, but that's one of the things that you have to find out. Police finally catch up with Tim at his eyeglass shop to see what he was up to on the Saturday Michelle disappeared. He was nervous when questioned, but very cooperative with police. Tim says he did see Michelle when she came over to play with his stepdaughter. But he took off around four to do a little bass fishing about 20 miles away. When Tim got home later that night, he claims he was shocked to learn that Michelle was missing. In the back of your mind, you're formulating decisions is this person a suspect or is this person a witness? What do they know? What do they not know? Tim's story sure sounds reasonable. And this worried dad just doesn't seem like he'd hurt Michelle. So with no motive to speak of, cops set him aside and move on to their next suspect. Michelle's mom has been complaining that a man named Henry Darwin gives her the creeps. And she's not alone. Darwin was well known in the area for basically being a pervert, a peeping Tom, someone who made phone calls to women and uh, apparently was able to receive some type of gratification from that. Cops have to wonder if Darwin saw his chance to snatch up Michelle when he spotted her walking home from her playdate. 
But before Missouri State Police get a chance to talk to Darwin, the case takes a turn for the worse. On the morning of April 14th, six days after Michelle Winter went missing, Officer Tim Thomas is patrolling an area in Cape Fair, about an hour outside Springfield, when all of a sudden, an unusual sight catches this avid hunter's eye. I noticed a flock of turkeys out in the field, so I pulled off the main highway onto the entrance to a, uh, an undeveloped cul-de-sac. And when he moves in for a closer look, it's not just the strange birds that grab his attention. There's something peculiar a bit further off the road. Down over the hill, maybe 25, 30 yards, is a brush pile. And in that brush pile, initially, I can see what I think is refuse of some kind, and then I realize that it's articles of clothing. Seems someone wasn't just out here hunting turkeys. It was pretty evident that it was a female body. I could see exposed skin and, and could tell that it was human and not a mannequin or some practical joke that someone was playing on someone. The shirt was raised. The pants were lowered. It was just kind of an oh-crap moment. Thomas knows that there's only one person this button-nosed brunette could possibly be. The missing girl whose case has been crackling over his police radio for the past week. It was pretty evident in my mind that uh, I think this is her. You just can't describe the emotion that comes over you when that happens. But Thomas pulls himself together and focuses on his job, putting in an urgent call to the homicide squad. When lead investigator Mike Rogers arrives at the scene, he quickly confirms everyone's worst fears. In the young girl's pants pocket is a library card with Michelle Winter's name on it. And these veteran cops swear to make her killer pay the highest price. Anytime you see a girl that obviously is being murdered, if it doesn't affect you, then you're a pretty hard person. Detective Rogers forces himself to study the scene for clues. But it's instantly clear that young Michelle's last moments were a nightmare. By the looks of her clothes, it seems she may have been sexually assaulted. And when the killer got what he wanted, he took out his anger on Michelle in the most horrible way. She had four puncture wounds to the center of the chest, about the size of an ice pick, possibly, or some tool of that sort. It appeared that that was how she died. With no murder weapon to be found and little blood, Detective Rogers suspects Michelle's attacker did his dirty work somewhere else, then dumped her body in the woods. A child killer determined to cover his tracks. You know, the thought goes through your mind, what kind of a person could do this? But the important thing is, who did it? As detectives try to answer those questions, the heartbreaking news makes its way back to Michelle's mom and sister and it turns their world upside down. Michelle's family has to live their lives without her. It was a sad situation, it really was. 
Detectives hope to give the family some closure by nabbing Michelle's killer as quickly as possible. So they return to the suspect they still have on hold, Michelle's crank-calling neighbor, Henry Darwin. Police catch up with him at his home, only a hop, skip, and a jump away from Michelle's. And he's not exactly a gracious host. He was quite upset that we were bothering him. He was somewhat hostile towards us. That alone doesn't mean that he had anything to do with it, but it doesn't really look good for him. If you have nothing to hide, why not cooperate? Darwin says he heard about Michelle on the news, but insists he had nothing to do with her murder. And while that doesn't ring right with detectives, who know Darwin's penchant for perversion, breathing heavily into the phone is a far cry from causing Michelle to breathe her last. When I confronted Darwin with the fact that people had told us that he made obscene phone calls, his face became very red and he just became silent. It was obvious that he had been caught. When pressed about where he was the day Michelle went missing, Darwin tells police a story that's surprisingly similar to Tim Cheney's, the stepdad of Michelle's BFF. He claims he was also fishing, but at a different pond about 35 miles away from Michelle's house, and that he was there with a friend. The friend verified he was with him, and we were able to find the people who owned the farm pond, and they indeed said that, yes, he and a friend were there and finished fishing late that evening. He even... Uh, measured the roof on their house. He was going to uh, do a shingle job on the house. And just like that, the number one suspect in Michelle's murder is off the list. It was somewhat disappointing because when you first learn of this person, things sound really good. You have anticipation, maybe this is the guy. But that's the way it goes. It doesn't mean he's a good person, but it means he didn't commit this one. But if detectives have thrown back this fish, it seems there's no shortage of sharks in Michelle's neighborhood. Turns out, it's teeming with sex offenders, and police are determined to reel in each and every one. I was uh, somewhat amazed at the number of people that live very close to Michelle's house that fit this category. While cops focus on a list of lascivious locals, it's a seedy outsider who grabs their attention next. He appears on their GPS when a woman calls to say she's mighty worried about her husband's employee, a truck driver named Kyle Larned. She says Kyle disappeared right after Michelle did, and she shares something else with police. He had a criminal record and had been convicted of sexual assault on a small child. Worse still, this speed demon recently left Springfield in his rearview mirror. But while he seems like the perfect suspect, this case is about to take an unexpected U-turn. Springfield, Missouri helped spark the golden era of the Wild West, when Wild Bill Hickok won a quick-draw duel here. But he isn't the only sharpshooter in town. Soon after 12-year-old Michelle Winter's murder, 
prosecutor Patrick Sullivan's office is taking aim at a mighty evil outlaw. It was a horrendous attack for a child to undergo. You had to believe that this was a pretty vile person. Sullivan sets his sights on a brand new suspect, a truck driver who's been violating more than traffic laws, and maybe right here in Springfield. Police got some information that a Kyle Larned was in the Springfield area at the time of Michelle's disappearance. Maybe this convicted child molester has been up to his old tricks, and Michelle was his latest victim. But before police hit the road to find him, the coroner has some news that could put the investigation in the fast lane. The ME believes Michelle's attacker did probably try to sexually assault her, but for some reason, he didn't finish the job. Pathologists did not determine that there had been any injury to the genitalia at all. But when Michelle's killer decided to do her in, he showed no mercy, hitting her in the head with a heavy object and stabbing her four times in the chest, possibly with an ice pick, as police first suspected. Due to the body's decomposition, the coroner thinks Michelle probably died the day she went missing. And what he finds next just might be a clue to her killer's identity. There were metal shavings, very small shards of glass, and some paint found in the shirt she was wearing. The question was, where did it come from and who was involved? Maybe the items came from the cab of suspect Kyle Larned's big rig. But police are still running on empty when it comes to catching up with him. So they start to fill in some details from his boss's wife. She claims that the weekend Michelle went missing, Kyle Larned was supposed to drive a big rig with her husband eastbound. But Kyle was a no-show. Mr. Larned apparently had had a disagreement with his boss, who was also a driver, and he stayed in the Springfield area instead of going on with his boss. She's pretty sure he played hooky not far from Michelle's neighborhood. So Rogers decides to bring in a wingman to help track him down. Detective Dwayne Isringhausen is the perfect man for the job. An anchor on the criminal investigation unit He's a capable cop who's been catching crooks for 34 years. I think the hardest part is knowing the type of people that are, that are out there. I don't think the general public maybe necessarily knows what they're capable of doing. And now detectives want to know exactly what trucker Kyle Larned is capable of. And when investigators haul the trucker in for questioning and press him for specific details, he starts to spin a tail faster than a Mack truck tire on an icy road, claiming that after he ditched the trucking job, he hit the road in his own pickup, and he just so happened to drive through Springfield along the way. But he swears he never made a pit stop in Michelle's neighborhood. Kyle said that he left uh, his home at about five o'clock the day that uh, Michelle disappeared. And then he drove to Kennett, Missouri to find some family. He then went to St. Louis to see some people there, drove back from St. Louis to Kennett, and then back from Kennett to Springfield. That's a lot of traveling in one day. And um, he was not convincing as he 
told that story. Since police aren't buying what Larned's selling, they ask to search his pickup truck. And when they do, they find some ATM receipts, none of which match his travel log. And when we confronted him, he changed his account. Okay, I made a mistake. I didn't go to St. Louis at all. So he'd come up with a third story and then a fourth story. Perhaps the only thing that'll make this Pinocchio talk straight and admit whether he crossed paths with Michelle is to hook him up to a polygraph machine. We ask Kyle, do you know who killed Michelle Winter? Did you kill Michelle Winter? Did you dispose of her body? When we asked those questions, he uh, was found to be deceptive. Under pressure, Larned finally comes clean. And what he's been hiding is not about Michelle, but rather about a different secret rendezvous. Larned finally admitted that he was sexually involved with another man who was on probation and this man was not supposed to associate with Larned because Larned was a convicted felon. Seems like Larned had a soft spot for his buddy and didn't want to get him in trouble. Course, he was trying to save his own skin as well. If only he'd spared police the headache and fessed up from the start. So this high-speed chase comes to a screeching halt, bringing police no closer to finding Michelle's killer. But Prosecutor Sullivan's mind won't stop racing as he tries to solve this terrible crime. Most prosecutors, most law enforcement people have maybe a handful of cases in their career that really get to them. And for me, Michelle Winter's case is that case. Good thing this legal beagle has his trusty schnauzers, Dexter and Dory, by his side as he sniffs around for one especially evil bad boy. When I bring the dogs to the office, it allows me to decompress a little bit. I've met a lot more dogs that I like than, than some people, but maybe that's just my job. But almost a week after Michelle's murder, investigators get their best lead yet. They catch wind of a neighbor who's gone to the dogs. Word is, his house is chock full of the kind of toys that raise detectives' hackles. We found pornography. We found literature of bondage, sexual bondage. Lots of evidence that girls had been in the house. It was nasty. Police can't help wondering whether Michelle's killer has been right under their noses all along. After all, a homeowner obsessed with pretty young things just maybe hiding a very ugly secret. We found a meat thermometer, which is shaped much like an ice pick we thought could have possibly been the murder weapon. Maybe police finally have Michelle's killer on a very short leash. It's been over a week since Michelle Winter was found murdered and her seventh grade classmates at Jared Middle School are reeling from the loss. Everyone in town is wondering who might be next. Uh, there's a heightened awareness and concern about your own family. This person is still out there. Am I endangered? While police believe Michelle's murder is probably an isolated incident, 
they know folks won't sleep well until they catch her killer. Anytime you have a homicide of this sort, the public is really putting pressure on you to solve this murder. You want in the worst way to solve it for her family. And you want to work every day until you get it done, if possible. And thanks to a tip from Michelle's nosy neighbor, detectives now have a new suspect in their sights. A suspicious character who lives just three blocks up from Michelle, named Kramer Lee. According to the neighbor, there's been a parade of underage girls coming in and out of this man's home recently. And she's certain these pretty young things aren't going door-to-door selling cookies. Obviously, since Michelle was only 12 years old, he was someone that ran the flag up real quick. And when police take a closer look, the neighbor's instincts prove pretty accurate. Kramer Lee was known to harbor runaway juvenile girls. He would supply them with whatever they wanted in return for sexual favors if he could get them. Police wonder if perhaps Michelle ran into Mr. Slees on the way home from her playdate with best friend Lisa. And Lee grabbed her, but couldn't get her to do what he wanted, so she paid the price. Because of his lifestyle, the things that he was known to do, you know, I thought this, this very well may be the guy. So Rogers and his team make a beeline to Lee's house and they find this robed Romeo to be as nervous as a hooker in church. Since Lee doesn't welcome them inside, detectives can only guess he has a bevy of beauties within. And when officers ask him about Michelle Winter, he claims the name doesn't ring a bell. When asked about his whereabouts on the day Michelle went missing, Mr. Lee said he had been working. But it didn't take the investigators very long to determine that that wasn't the case. So police keep pushing. And Lee now tells them he was playing a game of cards down at the Elks Lodge. We were able to confirm that he was there, but only till mid to late afternoon, not during the time period that Michelle disappeared. Sure seems Lee has something to hide. So police search his house hoping to uncover a horde of secrets. But they have to do a lot more digging than they thought. The place was trashed, to put it mildly. Some of the rooms were so full of junk you couldn't even get in the door. Literally, junk stacked three, four foot high in the room. It was the nastiest house I've ever been in in my whole career. As detectives slowly pick their way through Lee's possessions, they come up with a treasure trove of torrid trinkets. There was pornography present in the house, literature, videotapes. There was evidence that young girls had been there. It was uh, basically what a lot of police officers call a flop house. Proof that Lee is pretty kinky. But is he a killer? Just when detectives doubt they'll ever know, they make a big discovery a meat thermometer with a point the size of an ice pick, exactly the kind of weapon thought to have been used to kill Michelle. And that's not all they dig up. One of the items also that we found was a bed sheet that appeared to have blood stains on it. 
We were really concerned about anything that might have the killer's DNA, uh, possibly evidence of sexual assault, whatever that might be. You just, uh, you don't take any chances. You take everything that you can get. Given these shocking finds, police haul Lee into the station and hold his feet to the fire about his bogus alibi. We're not interested in what you're lying about unless it's in regard to Michelle. If you've done something else, just tell us what it is. Let's get past that so we can ask you the questions about Michelle. Finally, this cagey character cracks, insisting that he didn't kill Michelle, but was afraid to fess up to the real deal. The reasons Lee was lying to us was, one, he had been involved in some illegal gambling that night, and that he was harboring two juvenile girls, one of whom was on a weekend pass from a detention center, and he knew that he would be in trouble. Police suspect Lee is telling the truth this time, but they check out his news story just in case. And the two girls Lee was with happily flap their bubblegum lips. The girls verified where they were at and that Lee had, in fact, uh, driven them around, bought alcohol for them, got a motel room for them, and it was just a wild, crazy night. So unless these little Lolitas are lying for Lee, police are pretty sure their prime suspect didn't murder Michelle. It was frustrating that, you know, here we had this pervert and we had him doing things that he shouldn't have been doing and you'd like to throw him in prison right then if you could. But what we were working was the death of Michelle Winter. And as tough as it is for investigators to move on, they're forced to close the book on this one. But they never stop trying to solve their murder mystery. In a major case investigation, officers are continually going over leads. They confer with one another, they argue, they talk about it continually. And in this particular case, one name kept coming up. And that's when, out of the blue, a neighbor sheds new light on this old name. Leaving police to wonder, was Michelle's killer right under their noses this entire time? This is a guy that had the mindset to do something like this. He obviously had the opportunity. He had the means. He had a vehicle. The only question was, did he have the motive? Almost four months after the murder of Michelle Winter, police are zeroing in on a suspect who's been on their radar all along, Tim Cheney the stepdad of Michelle's BFF. And now it seems one of Cheney's neighbors has a little something she'd like to share with police. We located a woman that lived nearby, Cheney, who said that he had asked her if evidence could be used against him because Michelle had been in his van. Now detectives wonder what secrets Cheney could be hiding in his daddy van and whether his alibi is as fishy as it sounds. After all, he said he'd gone fishing the day Michelle disappeared. But police wonder if they've caught him in a lie. 
Cheney has no other person to corroborate his story other than his wife, who he told about it after he returned. He didn't have a fishing buddy. So investigators dive a little deeper into Cheney's past and find a booty of bad behavior. I got his record from the Rolla Police Department where he grew up as a, as a kid. He had a long criminal record from the time he was 17 years old. He was a individual that assaulted many women. It would be what an officer would look for if you're looking at criminal behavior in the past. And with a record like that, police wonder whether he chalked up one more crime and killed Michelle after a playdate with his own stepdaughter. At this point in time, I felt he was the guy. But we needed physical evidence because we didn't have enough circumstantial evidence to prove it. So Detective Rogers gets a search warrant for Tim Cheney's van. And what investigators collect blows the doors off the case. Some of the items that we recovered were paint samples, scrapings that we took from the inside of the van, some shards of metal, some hair, and microscopic glass particles. Particles surprisingly similar to the ones the medical examiner found on Michelle's T-shirt. They also recover a tire repair tool with a point like an ice pick, exactly what the ME thought she might have been stabbed with. The evidence is sent to the lab, and it seems like the coroner was right on the money. I got a call one day that items that we collected from Cheney's van matched items found in Michelle's shirt. I was very happy, very relieved, and I knew at that point that we had our guy. Investigators believe that the microscopic particles in Cheney's van came from his eyeglass shop and got on Michelle's shirt when he picked her up in his van and attacked her. Seven months after Michelle was murdered, we were able to arrest Tim Cheney for the first-degree murder of Michelle Winter. At his place of business, he was uh, handcuffed without incident, and he was transported to the Stone County Jail in Galena. And even though Michelle's family and friends are relieved, everyone touched by this case is forever changed by the tragedy. A 12-year-old girl was walking home and her life ended. That's not how life is supposed to be, not for a little kid. I will never forget this case. I think about it all the time. On November 22, 1996, a year and a half after Michelle's death, Tim Cheney is found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without parole. That verdict by the jury was a uh, bittersweet event. I'm very bitter in that Michelle will never be there for her family. So many things in her life will never happen because of one man's decision. Based on the evidence, detectives piece together what they believe happened to Michelle Winter on April 8, 1995. When Tim Cheney spots Michelle walking home from his house after spending the afternoon with his daughter, he offers her a ride. Michelle has no idea her best friend's stepdad is about to turn into her worst enemy. He's made sexual advances towards women and girls his entire life. 
And I think that he probably did the same thing with Michelle. But the sexual encounter with Michelle is not going in his favor. So Cheney gets frustrated. I think things got out of hand and he quickly realized that she was gonna tell on him. And he was gonna be in big trouble this time with a 12-year-old girl. He had to shut her up. So that's what he did. Cheney knocks Michelle unconscious, grabs a sharp tool, and stabs her four times. Then drives her to a remote field in Cape Fair. Then he drug her out of the van and uh, dumped her body where it was found. The monster took advantage of a naive young girl. But there's some small satisfaction for the men who helped put Michelle's killer away. Tim Cheney is a cold-blooded killer of a little girl, and he is exactly where he should be. There are no winners, there is no joy, only justice. As peace of mind slowly returns to Springfield residents, they know Michelle is gone. But they remember the dark-haired dreamer laughing with her friends and writing in her journal. A budding writer who'd be glad to know her story lives on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.